Good to see you guys today. So good to be with you this morning. Um, we are in the middle of a series uh, called We Are the Church, and uh, very excited about this series as we're exploring our six core values as a church and looking at those and how they define us as a church, but also how they define us as followers of Christ, as individuals, as husbands and fathers and mothers and wives and children and so on and so forth as disciples of our Savior. Wasn't praise and worship just astounding today? Yeah, just amazing. Appreciate Jake and the team, their sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, and just um, how God is continuing to just mesmerize us with His Spirit and His presence. You know, we started the year off talking about that, how we don't want to go through this year without God's presence. We should never want to go through any of our days without God's presence, but should be something we aim our life for, seek after, and want, and desire, and just something the Lord was just kind of whispering to me this morning, just kind of dropping in my spirit was that if you don't turn from Him, He will always see you through. Even on your dark days, and your down times. Because let's be honest, we all have some down times where we fall. But if we won't turn from Him, He will always make sure that we become victorious. Because that's who He is. The Bible tells us that as He is, as Jesus is, so are we. He's victorious. And so as He is victorious, if we will just continue to turn to Him. So wherever you're at today, I just want to encourage you and just pitch this out to you, that wherever you are today in your mind, wherever you are mentally, wherever you are in your soul, in your emotions today, wherever you are in your life today, in your faith today, stay turned to Him. Because He will always be faithful to make sure that you come through whatever it is you're going through. He cares that much about you. And He paid that kind of a price for you. To not just see you sink. I love that spontaneous part earlier where Jake was just saying, Call on the name of the Lord and be saved. You know, there's really no special equation to this thing, formula to this thing. It's calling on the name of Jesus. Amen. Sometimes we don't really know what to pray, how to pray, what to say, or even what to do at moments in our time of frustration, moments of life that just seems to get the best of us. But if we call on the name of Jesus, He hears us. Peter was a, he was a, he was sinking in the water, and he was the one trying to do what Jesus said to do, and that was to walk on water. That was to go to him, and in trying to follow him. Anybody ever feel like that? You say, I'm trying to follow you, God, but I feel like I'm sinking. Amen. Am I talking to anybody here today? Feel like you're sinking, but you know you're going in the right direction, but it feels like, man, oftentimes I'm sinking. And all Peter could do, Lord, save me. He didn't dress it up. He didn't put a thee and a thou in front of it. Peter was a fisherman, so you can imagine the kind of mouth he had. No offense to fishermen. But he just said, Lord, save me. And what did Jesus do? He saved him, reached his hand out towards Peter and picked him up and picked him up. But you got to want to be picked up. See, it's a, it's a difficult thing as followers of Christ. We want to help everybody, right? But not everybody wants to be helped. 
and we can stand over offering to help, but unless someone wants to be helped, you can't pull them up. They have to call on Jesus. You and I must call on Jesus. So whoever that's for today, I pray it helps you out. Amen? Amen. We're going to get into this here in just a second, but I just want to say a quick word of prayer over, our, over this word this morning. Let's, let's go to God in prayer. Father, we are thankful for today in your presence. I'm thankful for your people who are gathered here today as New Life Church. I love that part of the song we were singing earlier. In your name, we are a new creation. Lord, I pray that that revelation would grow even greater even today. For those of us who've been following you for 50 years and those who have just been following you for 50 days, God, wherever we are in our faith walk and journey with you, help that revelation of we are a new creation. May it grow today. And Holy Spirit, today, as I speak, I ask that you would give me words to say, your words of life, your words of love, and your words of liberty. And you would give us all ears to hear. May there be a spirit of understanding and revelation be in this place now. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen. Well, we're going to look at a couple different passages of Scripture this morning, so there's not one particular one we're going to start out in, but I will preface it with preface this message by saying this. This is uh, a message that I started about uh, three weeks ago on Pentecost Sunday, and um, Pentecost Sunday takes place 50 days after the Passover when Christ was crucified. That's Easter weekend time. And, and so what we're doing is, again, we're exploring our different values, six core values of our church. The one that I'm picking up with today, be part two, is called being Holy Spirit-filled. Being Holy Spirit-filled. So let's look at core value. This is core value number four. Out of six, Lindsay, Pastor Lindsay preached number five last week, the value number five last week, being next generation committed. And uh, didn't she do a good job last week for those that was here, those of you that were here? Yeah. I told her at the end of service, I said, you just keep getting better and better. You really do. I was looking back over my notes from the last two years that she preached on Next Generation Sunday. And this one, I mean, they're all good, but this one, you can tell she has grown. She has matured a whole lot more. And uh, I tell you, coming on staff at a church will do that to you. And, uh, <laughs> but she's doing a phenomenal job. Um, so let's look at core value. I'm going to look at that screen. It's not there. I'll look at this screen that's here. Core value number four. At New Life Church, we value being Holy Spirit-filled. We value the filling of the Holy Spirit, not for doctrinal sake, but for destiny's sake. We are open to the fullness of the Holy Spirit to fill us fresh daily. We need Him to guide us, empower us, inspire us, and produce in us God's character and love to be His witnesses in this earth. Is that a desire of you? You've got a desire to be spirit-filled. I'm not talking about weird, spooky, weirdo, crazy stuff. I'm talking about just genuine in love with Jesus, wanting His Spirit to fill and consume our life. Amen? We need the Holy Spirit. Living a Holy Spirit-filled life is about living with our lives open to the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I'll say that again. Living a Holy Spirit-filled life is, is really about living with our lives open to the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Living with our life open. Living in, with looking to heaven, engaging God, expecting Him, longing for Him, and wanting Him to truly fill our life. Because how many of you know there are all kinds of things that can fill our life, right? There's all kinds of things that can take, take the place, take the places in our heart. And God wants to occupy all avenues of our life. Not just a few little places here and there, but He wants everything. And, and you know how you know that God wants something in your heart? You know how you can know that? When you don't want to relinquish control of something. That's how you know that God's after you. 
That's how you know that God is wanting to show Himself strong and faithful and good in your life is when that part of our heart, that part of our life where we're not wanting to relinquish complete control. But how many of you know you can say, hey, I've been there and I venture out and I experience when I let go, you know the old adage, let go and let God. Amen? Let go and let God. I know that's like an old thing that's been around for a long time, but how many of you know that's, that's got some truth to it? Amen? Got some truth. When we let go and we let God we allow our lives to be filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And i got to tell you, it's not fun living with our spirit in control. It's hard. It's anguish. It's laborious. It's boring. It's tiring. It's exhausting. Amen? But when we allow the Holy Spirit to live in our life and to fill our life, it makes a huge difference. Amen? And, and just a quick recap, uh, we, we were looking at this angle, the, uh, looking at this subject matter from the angle of five parts in the New Testament that kind of look at the description of the Holy Spirit. And I'm just going to name them. They'll be on the screen quickly. Number one is the promise. Jesus made a promise. In those scriptures there, you can read about it, and in, in, especially in the, in the Gospel of John, Jesus made a promise before his death, burial, and resurrection that God the Father would send, he was going to send the helper, send the advocate, send the Holy Spirit to fill our life. There was a promise made, and he made the promise because of this. For three and a half years in the ministry of, with the 12 disciples, he was with them in the flesh. There was really a, not a time where Jesus didn't and was not with his peeps. You know what I mean? He was with them. And so he had to give them this promise, hey, something greater is going to happen. It's to your advantage that I go away because right now you just have me with you in the flesh. But when I leave, the Father's going to send the Helper, the Holy Spirit, and he's going to live in you. I mean, if we had the choice, would you rather just have God beside you or would you rather Him be in you? Because the Bible goes on to tell us this revelation, greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. You know what I mean? When you have it in you, when you have Him in you, you have the greater aspect of who He is, of the kingdom operating in your life. So you have the promise. Then you have the reminder. Jesus gave a reminder after his death and burial and resurrection, before his ascension to heaven, he spent about 40 days on the planet with his disciples explaining a few things, and he reminded them, hey, you need to wait in Jerusalem. You need to sit tight. You need to be patient because something greater is going to happen. I promised you it would, and I'm reminded you now, though this has happened to me, the best is yet to come. Anybody ever told you that? You ever told somebody that? You ever tell yourself that the best is yet to come? And that's what he was reminding them of. Then you have the fulfillment in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. That was just not a day that the Jews just thought up to have a day called, let's call it Pentecost. It was actually called a different thing. It was a different festival. It's a festival. It's a celebration that, that God's people have had for tons of years, ever since their exodus from Egypt. And it was on that day, that particular day, that God chose to birth the church for the first time ever. Now, God would work through the church, His people the body of Christ. And it was on that day that he birthed the church through and by the Holy Spirit. It took, 50, it took place 50 days after Passover, again, when Christ was crucified. Then you have some examples. We're not going to look at those again today. We looked at those last time. But you can look at those for your benefit, for your perusing, and the different examples of of different men and women being baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, encountering God through the Holy Spirit for the first time and how they responded to Him. And then you have the role. 
Then you have the role of the Holy Spirit. And that's where we're going to finish digging in today over these next few minutes. Um, in the New Testament, you, you see the words, you see Holy Spirit used, particularly in the Gospel of John, quite a bit. And you see where Jesus said the helper's coming. He said the Holy Spirit's coming. And he likened him to the helper or the advocate. Well, that Greek name there for Holy Spirit is called parakletos, which means helper, which means comforter, and it means the advocate. So you have the helper, the advocate, and the comforter all, all wrapped up in one. Same thing, just different ways of trying to describe the role of the Holy Spirit. But in essence, the, 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 the foundational role of the Holy Spirit is that to encourage, to strengthen, and to support believers. That isn't it good to know that when Jesus left the earth, that he didn't leave us high and dry to fend for ourselves? that he sent someone in his place, God, the Holy Spirit, came, poured out, Acts 2, on the day of Pentecost. Powerful, powerful way of demonstrating God coming into this earth to indwell in believers. Pretty powerful. And, and his role is to encourage. Can you say that with me? Encourage, strengthen, support. Anybody need encouraging? Anybody need strength? Anybody need support? That's right. If we could do it all by ourselves, we could save ourselves and we could bypass Jesus. Unfortunately, a lot of this world is trying to do that, trying to get to heaven around Jesus. And Jesus said, I am the door, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's not a stingy way, a greedy way, or any of that way. It's just that is the way. In fact, that's what Christianity was originally first called. It was called the way. Oh, you're a part of the way. Oh, you go to the way church, huh? I think there's a church out in Milan or Medina called that church. Oh, you go to that church, huh? It's like, oh, you, you're part of the way? That was what people were known by, the way. And it was later on, late after, way after the church had gotten started and Paul was involved, and that they were first called Christians at Antioch. Because that name really didn't come about till later on. But that's, if we could save ourselves, if we could do it all ourselves, we wouldn't need the help of God. But God didn't make his people that way. God made cre his creation dependent on someone greater than themselves. And as we learned a couple of weeks ago, there are three primary ways the Holy Spirit encourages, strengthens, and supports. We talked about one of those ways a couple of weeks ago, and that was through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Nine particular gifts outlined in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And how God will use, he gives us those gifts through the Holy Spirit to encourage, strengthen, and support one another as believers. That's part of it. We're going to look at number two and number three today. Let's look at... Uh, let's, let me invite you to open your Bibles to Galatians 5. It's also going to be on the screen. Those, these verses will be up on the screen as well for following along. Three primary ways the Holy Spirit encourages, strengthens, and supports in our life. We talked about one, the gifts. We're going to talk about two more today. Number two is this, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is found in Galatians chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 16 first. It says, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. He said, let. That's a choice. That's a decision that you and I must make. If we want God to be the center of our life, if we want to see the fullness of God be real in our life, then it's a decision and a choice we make. Let the Holy Spirit guide our lives. Verse 17, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. Anybody ever been there? You don't have to raise your hand. We've all been there, right? If, you don't raise your, if, I, if I tell you to raise your hand, you don't raise your hand, then you're lying. You know, I don't want to make you a liar and all that. So let's just not raise our hands, but let's just agree to say, yeah, I've been there. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. 
So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Jump down to verse 22. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Who does the production? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. There's nine fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. And since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Did you catch that? Follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. That means there's not one part of our life that cannot be under the guidance and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Think about everything we do in a day's time. Think about everything we do in a week's time. Think about every conversation we have over the course of a month. Think about everything we're involved in in the course of 12 months. Now, Multiply that by however old you are and think about quickly your life flashing before you and how much the Holy Spirit was leading and how much He was not. What it should do is this, those parts of our life where we have neglected to allow the Holy Spirit to lead our life, it should make us thankful that God still loves us. And that every time, again, you and I turn to Him in true surrender and repentance, guess what? He's faithful to make sure to help us in every situation. Amen? So every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another. I know none of us have ever done that, been there before. None of us have ever been jealous of one another. Nobody's J of each other or none of that stuff. I get that. So I'm not even going to go there with y'all because y'all are like the most humble and, you know, the most sensitive and, you know, the most generous of every person you've ever met, okay? <laughs> Lord, help us. I want to say a couple things real quick about the fruits. First of all, fruit, this fruit that is produced in us, is to be enjoyed by us and shared with others. Fruit. Think about it. Fruit. Shared by us, or excuse me, enjoyed by us, shared with others. That other people are supposed to feed off of our fruit. So that should make us stop to think what kind of fruit is growing on our tree. Amen? The fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. I, that, that one is still small in my life. God, it's so small. It's not, even, it's not even funny. It's so small. Love, joy, peace. I have to go back to the beginning, kind of like the alphabet. Sometimes I forget where I'm at. Love, joy, peace, patience. Was it kindness? Yeah, kindness. I got to tell you, you, you guys really are kind. You know how I know how, why you're so kind? Because you show up here every week to listen to me. <laughs> Patience, he said. <laughs> That's good. That's good. 
I'll exercise some goodness right back at you. <laughs> goodness. Isn't it nice to encounter goodness from one another? It's good. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Instead of beating the mess out of each other, we're gentle. You know what I mean? Instead of reacting real quick, knee-jerk reactions, we're gentle. Right? Lord, help me. Especially as a father, sometimes I don't want to be gentle sometimes. I want to be knee-jerk, and that's where the lack of patience comes in and all this stuff. So all you people who have raised kids, my singers, I, I, you guys, phenomenal job, by the way. I look at y'all, I recount your story. I, can, I remember your kids and how they are loving Jesus, and, and I'm thinking, well, I, I can do it. I know I can do it. So you've set a good, you've set a good standard, and uh, so thankful for you in that. Bargies, you guys got a lot of practice. And the Youngs, they're not here today. They're not here on this Sunday, but I think they're up to 10 now, right? 10 children. New baby just came. Boy, parenting will just stretch you, right? That's where, that's where we're at. You got me where we're at. You know, we're right in the middle of raising three girls. One, three, about to be nine, going on 16. And my one-year-old, Lord have me, let me just take my glasses off. There's nothing wrong with her. You're right. She's fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of the Lord. Just trying to figure out what part of the image he made her in. <laughs> Y'all pray for us. Y'all pray for us. We still got a long way to go. We got a long way. I'm thankful for grandparents. Woo! Thank God for grandparents. Holla at the grandparents. Papa Joe. <laughs> Thankful for good caretakers like Miss Neva. Yeah, giving you the summer off so you can catch your breath. <laughs> Boy, how about those spouses? Now, oh, you should have stayed on kids, Pastor Jeremy. Now you're going to go and. Spouses, don't we just love each other? We really do. But man. Relationship is one, you know, we, God made us to have relationship. We're not happy without relationship, and it's relationship that causes so many problems. That's the test of where we see what's really on our, on our vine or not, right? Do we have love? All the other. Joy, peace, pain, all the other. I told my wife this morning, I said, I feel like a newlywed again. We just celebrated 17 years. I know that's not a long shot in, compared to lifetime. But um, I said, man, I feel like I'm newly married again with you. I said, that's how I feel right now. I said, I, but with three kids. I was like, what? But I do. I love you, babe. You're awesome. Awesome. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such thing, there is no law. What does that mean? That's the second thing I want to say. That this fruit that is that gets produced in our life, it's not a work of our own flesh. It's not a work of our own effort. It can only come about by the work of the Holy Spirit. So if you, if you're trying to make this kind of thing happen in your life out of your own strength, out of your own effort, out of your own flesh, just stop. Do yourself a big favor and everybody else around you 
and just yield to the Holy Spirit because I guarantee you He's chomping at the bit to grow some love on your tree. He's chomping at the bit to put some joy up in your soul. He's, he can't wait to just bring about some peace. Stop. And just let the Holy Spirit do His thing in you. Again, let go and let... Struggling to be gentle, struggling to be kind, struggling to be patient, struggling with very little self-control... Let the Holy Spirit have a shot. Somebody got some good, some good aim? Anybody got their David slingshot here today? Or a net? That would be the right thing to do. And let it free. I don't even know where it went. Oh, look at him. He's trying to preach. He's trying to, only in Denmark in a gym will you get this. I mean, come on. What stories we're, we're building here? What stories we're stockpiling here? <laughs> Y'all tell me if it comes at me now. I don't want to scream like a girl. But this fruit that we so desperately need, get your pictures. Go ahead and take your pictures. <laughs> the day the bird went berserk in that first self-righteous church, in that little old town of Denmark, Tennessee. It was a fight for revival, or survival. It broke out in revival. Anybody following? Anybody know what's, where I'm at? Yeah, I got some Pete, Eric Russell, my brother from another mother, knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> Other ones are looking at me. Your preacher is stupid. Be on the move. Finish with the fruit. We can't make this fruit grow by ourselves. We need the Holy Spirit. So he produces the, his fruit in our life. Amen? I think we get the point. The last point is this. Out of three primary ways, the third point is this. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 will be on your screen as well. He says, but you will receive power. Jesus is reminding his disciples. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Power here is the strength and the ability to be witnesses of Jesus. Not power to showcase and spotlight, and look at what I can do. But it's power under control and direction of the Holy Spirit that is a power. In fact, the word there, the Greek word is dunamis, which where we get the word dynamite, it's an explosion of power in our life that you and I must have. And I want to talk real quickly in closing three areas where we need His power in our life. Not only do we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Think about it. If we just had the gifts and the fruit, but we didn't have the power that He can give us. Think about it. We need His power as well. His strength and ability in our life. Because, folks, we live in a day, in a time, in a world where this world is, mis, is out of shape and out of sync with God. I mean, cra crazy things are happening in our world, globally. Crazy things are happening globally. Crazy things are happening in our own country. So many people have strayed from God. So many people haven't even come up to know God. Lindsay talked about this last week. A whole generation passing away. And the next generation coming up does not know nor fear the Lord. And I would dare say none of us want that for our children or our children's children and so on and so forth. It should be our aim and our goal to produce a living legacy of Christ's followers. Amen? And God wants to see that happen. 
But we need His power to do that. Number one, we need His power to be bold to preach the Word. You know, all of us are called to be preachers. All of us are called to be speakers of God's Word to people. Every single one of us. And in the early part of the church, they were preaching God's Word, and there was a lot of threats and a lot of persecutions that were coming on them. And here's what they prayed in Acts chapter 4, verse 29. Here's what they prayed. They prayed that, God, you hear all the threats and you hear all the things that are going on around us and to us. We're asking you to give your servants boldness, great boldness, in fact, it said, great boldness to preach your word. Even in the midst of problems, even in the midst of accusations, even in the midst of persecutions, to still preach your word. And in a day and time where it's really, where Christians are really now the misfits and the misshaped ones, so to speak, tongue in cheek, to according to the world's view, even though that's backwards, we understand that. We aren't the misshaped ones and we aren't the, the, the ones who are misfits. We need his power to produce a boldness in us to preach his word. To preach it not only with our mouth, but to be able to really preach it with the way we live our life. Right? To preach it with the way we live our life. Because sometimes people don't really want to hear it, they just want to see it. Right? A lot of people just want to see it. But we need the power of the Holy Spirit to give us boldness... Because let's face it, let's get honest, it's not as easy to preach Jesus and model Jesus in a time where it's not real popular, right? Because we worry about what people think of us. We worry about how people will view us. We worry about all that stuff, right? We need His power to give us boldness to preach His Word. Here's another example of how we need His power. We need His power to give us authority to do miracles. To do miracles. I believe every single one of us who are followers of Christ can have the kind of power and authority that comes from God to pray for the sick and see them get healed. I believe we, you and I as followers of Christ, if we have the faith to believe it, and the sincerity to follow Christ, that He will give us power to have authority to do signs and wonders and miracles in our day and time. That that's not just reserved for the apostles and the prophets and the pastors and the teachers and the evangelists, but that is for the body of Christ to walk in the full power of the Holy Spirit, demonstrating the power of the kingdom, that you and I can do that. In fact, we can be so strong, like in the day of Peter and Paul's time, that it was in, in, in Acts chapter 5, there was a time where Peter was praying for the sick. And it said as people were bringing their sick out to see him, that if they would just cross through his shadow. Dang. Think about if your shadow, your shadow wherever your shadow goes, there's healing. Wherever your shadow, sometimes it's depending on the angle of the light, your shadow can be like 12 feet long, and you're only 5 feet tall. You know, but wherever Peter's shadow was cast, all they had to do was walk around. They had that kind of faith, and there was that kind of power and authority on their life that just their shadow, their shadow. Think about it. You walk by your co-worker's desk, and your shadow touches them, and they're coughing up a lung, and their, your shadow touches them, and they just stop coughing. And you say, God bless you. That's what I'm here for. I mean, I'm, this kind of stuff happened. Just think about it. Just your shadow. There was another time when Paul was praying for people. So many people that it said they took his handkerchiefs that he had just touched and he was giving them out. They were giving it out to those who were sick and those who had evil spirits that needed to be cast out. And just the touch of a handkerchief healed the sick and cast out demonic spirits. A handkerchief. That's one example 
of prayer cloths. This is a box of anointed prayer cloths. I don't know, three months ago maybe we handed out, I don't know, 75 prayer cloths to everybody. Remember that? That's kind of that idea of that, not because we have, we're weird and all that. It's just it's where certain ones of us can't go, the prayer cloth can go, and it's prayed for and anointed, believing that God's power is in that. I know that sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? I know that. Uh, to some of us, it might not, but to the, to the person in the world, it doesn't make any sense. What a prayer, prayer, prayer cloth? What do you mean, a prayer cloth? What are you trying to give me? Well, just put it on your pillow. You sleep under it. You sleep on it. See what happens. A shadow and a handkerchief. Man, I would like to know that my shadow is that powerful. Not my odor, but my shadow will cause people to fall and be healed. Rise up and be healed. You know what I'm talking about? But that doesn't come just because it comes because we seek after. It comes because God wants to use our life in ways like that. It's pretty powerful stuff. We need his power to give us authority to do miracles. Because you think about it, all the miracles that Jesus did, healing people, when he did that, and when in the New Testament as well, when, these, the, new, when the church was healing people, miracles and signs and wonders were happening, it caused people to turn to Christ. It, turned, it caused people to turn away from whatever and turn to Jesus because they realized their livelihood, their future was not in wherever their life was headed. Their livelihood and their future was in Christ and in Christ alone. Amen? And lastly, a third example of how we need His power. We need the Holy Spirit's power to give us courage for truth. Courage to be truth seekers and truth tellers. There's a story in Acts chapter 5. It opens up the chapter with a couple, a married couple named Ananias and Sapphira. You see, what was happening in the early church was people were selling all kinds of stuff, primarily their property and their real estate, and they were giving the profit, the proceeds to the church to help the church and to help people who were in need. And Ananias and Sapphira sold their property, and they were going to give everything they made to, to the church to help with people's needs. And the thing about it is, well, they decided to keep some for themselves. And as you go through the story, you realize it wasn't the issue that they could keep some of the profit for themselves. It was theirs to sell and theirs to give however they wanted to do it, just like our hard-earned money and everything else that God blesses us with. It's the fact that they lied about it. And when they brought, and when Ananias walked into the room to give the proceeds to the, to the leaders, they said, is this how much you sold it for? And he said, yeah. And they said, um, well, he said, Ananias, Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not to sell, as you wish, but after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but you were lying to God. That's not the end of the story. See, again, emphasize here, it wasn't the fact that they sold, had property, sold it, made money, and gave it to the church. It was the fact that they lied about how much they were giving. They could give however much they wanted to, and they made it look like they were giving everything, but they kept some for themselves. All that God was interested in was honesty, truth, courage to be a truth seeker and a truth teller. So what happened? Well, Ananias dropped dead. You lie, you die. <laughs> That's what happened back then. Shoot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this kind of stuff don't happen anymore. 
If it did, churches probably wouldn't be that big. <laughs> you lie, you die, man. That's what was going on. Oh, my goodness. But that's not the end of the story. Three hours later, his wife, Sapphire, walks in, not knowing what happened. She thought she was about to go on a Caribbean cruise. They said, is this how much you made? Yeah. Is this how much you gave? Yeah. I can't believe you just said that. You see that body bag they're carrying out? Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you're a widow. But not for long. Because what happened to him is also going to happen to you. Think about this. If this kind of stuff was going on today, people wouldn't want to be around church. But I'm getting to something here because of the outcome. She died because she lied. She didn't have the courage to just tell the truth. Think about it. If she would have just said, well, you know what? We changed our minds. We made more money than we thought. We want to help, but we need a little too. Think about the flip side of just telling the truth. Courage to be truth seekers. Courage to be truth tellers. She died. But here's what happened. Verse 11. Great fear gripped the church and everyone else who heard what had happened. The fear of the Lord instantly came upon people. I would say so. Right? I would say so. Verse 11, the outcome, truth, that's what God wants. And friends, church, people, saints, in a world full of lies and twists and turns, this world does not, need, does not need more truth benders. This world needs truth seekers and truth tellers. Tell the truth, shame the devil. Right? I have no idea where that came from. I've heard that my whole life. But when you tell the truth, the devil does not have any room to operate in your life. Surely the one place that should be full of truth, nothing but the truth, and all the truth should be inside of the church. Amen. But it's courage to be truth seekers, truth tellers, we don't have to fabricate anything. We just need to try to live honest. And that was a big issue, apparently, at that time in Acts 5. People not wanting to live honest. And we aim to do it. It doesn't mean we won't ever make mistakes, or it doesn't mean we, we won't ever, God forbid, we ever do something selfish and manipulate a situation. But if we do, let's just have some ownership, some humility for the sake of all that is good and holy in the name of Christ. Because after all, we're here to not just live for us. We're here to live for Jesus and 7 billion people on this planet. And I don't know how many of them don't know Christ and how many of them have encountered a church that is not real good for them. And they need, this world is in need of people who are courageous for the truth, who have authority to heal the sick, who have boldness for the word, who have the fruit of the spirit just booming and blowing 
philosophing all in our life and have the gifts of the Spirit to not make them look crazy and cuckoo, but to make people be built up, encouraged, and strengthened and supported in the ways of the gospel. Today is the day. The hour is at hand, church. This is our moment. This is our time for the church to arise and shine and let the glory of God consume us and fill us. We must be open to the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You popped the last slide up for me there, Carl. Living a Holy Spirit-filled life is about living with our lives open to the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Come on, if you're here today and you know, I need more of the Holy Spirit, let's lift our hands to Him. I'm just going to say a prayer over our life today. This series has been called, We Are the Church. The church got started with the Holy Spirit. The church continues with the Holy Spirit. And the church must have the all-consuming presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. We need His gifts We need His fruit. We need His power. Hallelujah. Father, we lift our hands before You today. We're all in different places, stages, not only of life, but also spiritually. Our spiritual maturity varies. But the one thing we know we absolutely must have is your genuine Spirit in our life. So right now I ask you, Holy Spirit, fill us fresh with your Spirit now. Holy Spirit, come. Just in your own words, just say, cry out to Him. Fill me. Fill my life. I have gone on in ways that I should not have gone on in. I have, I have erred in different manners. I have fallen. I have been wrong. I have not been loving. I have not been patient. I have not been courageous for truth. Whatever it might be, wherever your heart is today, cry out to the Lord. Just ask Him, fill me with your Holy Spirit. A fresh touch now today, a fresh wind in our sails. Lord, we need you every day, Holy Spirit, to guide us, to fill us, to inspire us, to produce in us the character of God and the love of Christ because we are incapable of doing it on our own. We need your gifts, O God, to flow in our life. Lord, where gifts have been dormant, where gifts have been cut off today, I pray for uh, just a resurgence of your Spirit in our life to just to stir up the gifts of God on the inside of us. Lord, we have become satisfied with the status quo of life, and we have not pursued you, and we've not pursued love, and we've not pursued your Spirit and gifts today. Stir up a fresh craving, a fresh desire within our spirit today. Let the gifts of the Spirit be free in our church. May the gifts of the Holy Spirit be free in our church. Be free in every life. Be free in every home. Be free in every relationship. May the fruit of the Holy Spirit abound. We need love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. God, you know we need all that. And we can't make it happen on our own. Fruit of the Spirit. Sorry. Fruit of the Spirit. Grow in our life again. Where it has seemed like maybe that vine was cut. That limb was broken. Some today thinking 
I don't know if I could ever have joy again in my life. Today, may the fruit of joy grow. May the fruit of joy grow. May the fruit of joy grow. And I pause to pray for Miss Regina Austin and her family. She's just lost her mother just two days ago. She's with you now, Lord. We pray, Holy Spirit, you would comfort her and her loved ones. Strengthen them. May she know her church family loves her, cares for her, is praying for her. I talked with her and told her we were. May she know the warmth of your presence, the depths of your love, the covering of your comfort. And God, fill us with your power. We need your power. Lord, may the power of your Spirit grow and grow and grow and increase and increase and increase all the more in our life. To be bold for your word. To have authority to pray for those who are ill, who need miracles, God. And give us courage to be truth seekers and truth tellers. And through it all, may the central cord in all of us be agape love. Because we can have power and gifts and fruit. But love must be the thing. Let love rule in our hearts. Love rule in our hearts, I pray. Touch these, your people. Touch these, your people, I pray today. I pray their week, this summer, and the rest of this year be one of encountering and experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit in a very fresh, life-changing way that they'll come back and say, hey, I was praying this week and God just dropped a bomb on me. I got to tell you this, Pastor, the Holy Spirit just visited me so very real this week. I was, even, I was driving in my car. I was not even thinking, but then the Holy Spirit just, bam, dropped right there, right in my driver's seat, and I felt Him fresh. I pray for those who have roadblocks and hurdles in their hearts where they've been trying to make it happen on their own. They've been trying to flesh it out and make it happen and to no avail. Holy Spirit, come. Come and just make it happen. Make it happen. Work it out, set it all straight, align it all up, and cause it to come to pass. Oh God, you know what everyone needs. And I pray as we turn to you and seek you, you will help us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. I want to tell you this. In two weeks, we have our corporate prayer. It's the fourth Saturday of every month at 10 a.m. Love for you to join us for corporate prayer. Powerful time. A church that prays together stays together. And a church that stays together grows together. And before you leave, I want to pronounce over you our benediction, if you can put that on the screen. It's found in Numbers chapter 6. Just receive this as you go today, a blessing. And I'll tell you this before I read this. If you want more prayer, desire personal prayer, feel free to come down to the front and we will pray with you. The Lord bless you by constantly bringing 
good into your life. The Lord keep you so that the care and sacrificial love of Christ poured out on the cross should guard all that is sacred and precious about you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you by having His glory always shine on your life. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you by always letting you know that He is fully present in your life and He is self-giving to you. The Lord give you peace, a peace that is unthreatened and undisturbed. May your soul, oh, may your soul find and feel its worth in the significance of Christ Jesus as you go today. For you are His creation, masterpiece, created to do good things for Him. Be blessed. And if you need prayer, please come forward. God bless you.